Good morning. What is the most effective way to teach people? <laughs> there is uh, so many different opinions about that, and it's such an important question right now as we are thinking about the schools and the turmoil of uh, how do we educate our children? Do we send them to uh, school and the risk that's involved with that? What about if we do a hybrid system where they're there part of the time, home part of the time. What about online schools? What about uh, these homeschool? We've got just options upon options and a struggle of trying to do it right and well and safe. We've got different learning styles. We have different people, different ways that they, some with access, some with not. But there's another question that's even more important and that is, how do we change someone? Not just information, but transformation. The transformation process is different than passing on information. In our text today, we have uh, Jesus asking Peter some questions. And uh, so, that, for me, that's very intriguing because of the oral style of teaching that is uh, what we do. That's how we use God's word for transformation in the lives of people in, in all manner of various countries. And so as we look at this text, it's fascinating for me to consider what is actually happening. What is Jesus doing? Why is he asking these questions? So let's look in, let's jump in. John 21, verses 15 to 19. Jesus asks the same question three times, and he gets the same answer three times. But there's more to it. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He, Jesus said, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter replied to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. Questions. Jesus is asking the same question three times. And Peter says, even in this text, Jesus, you know everything. So if he knows everything, why is he asking the question and even in the first place? Is it because he's uncertain about what Peter's thinking, his answer? I don't think so. I think that there's something more. I think that he is doing it for Peter's sake 
he is teaching him. He is probing deeper into Peter's heart and his mind. And, and he is doing the same for you here this morning. Because you also must answer that very question. Do you love me? It's a simple question, but there's layers that are involved. And so that's what we're going to look at. And that first layer comes in verse 15. I'll read it again. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. There's so many things that we love. Ice cream, our pets, dog, cat, depending on your personality. Uh, love our parents, our kids, our spouses, and we love God. One word to, to describe popsicles and our creator. Well, a little bit limiting, huh? There's, there's a lot more to that description than one word can contain. In Greek, we, there's five words for love, three primary ones. And so when Jesus is asking this question, he asks Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. So the words agape and phileo in, in the Greek. So Jesus is probing into this question of what kind of love do you really have? What kind of attitude? And to be honest, it would have been difficult for Peter to say honestly, yes, I love you unconditionally. Because he looks at his own failures. He knows himself. So then Jesus asks this question, uh, more than these, that's intriguing to me. What is he talking to about with the more than these? They just had breakfast. They had just caught 153 large fish dragging the net onto the shore. Why did they count them? I don't even know. It's funny to think about G Peter loving the fish more than Jesus. But he's a fisherman. So when things are confusing and when things are out of order, what does he do? He goes back to that which he knows, fishing. So I learned a, a bit about fishing and about love this past week. It was one of my granddaughter's birthdays. And so she had, got a birth, she had gotten a fishing pole for her birthday, and so we took her, I took her fishing. So for a four-year-old you have to catch a lot of fish to keep their attention. And we found the perfect spot. We throw the bobber in and the, and the worm and the fish are biting and we were catching them every two minutes to keep her attention. And I was uh, thrilled with, with this is going to be a successful fishing trip. Um, so we throw the bobber in and I would set the hook and I would give it to her. And she would just let the bobber run in the water. She didn't care about catching the fish. I was puzzled because this was the goal. This is the purpose of why we we're going. 
But for a four-year-old, she just wanted to be with Grandpa. We love a lot of things. What do you love more than these? Maybe Jesus was referring to the other disciples. Uh, after all, they'd been together for three years. They had traveled together, eaten together, had seen miracles. They had done ministry two by two. They had gone out. Do you love me more than these other guys? Or am I just one of them? We love those that we have been with. We've shared time with experiences, common bonds. And so Jesus asks, do you love me more than these? Maybe he was referring to this sense of competition. We can, we can imagine Peter. That's pretty easy to see in his life. He was the true follower of Jesus. He was in the inner circle. Certainly he loved Jesus more than the others. After all, Peter had said, though they all fall away be, on account of you, I will never fall away. His love was the sincere love. We live in a society of comparison and competition. Books, movies, TV shows, all illustrating the competition for love. But if love is a competition, then it certainly isn't unconditional. It's not even really brotherly. You know, Peter is wise in his response. He says, Jesus, you know that I love you. He doesn't even answer the question about more than these. And so it's easy to say, I love you. But what about your actions? This question also reveals and probes deeper. And he says to Simon the second time, verse 16, Do you love me? Uh, and he, Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus asks him a third time. This time Jesus changes the word. He says, Do you love me like a brother? Stepping down to Peter's response. Peter had seen the miracles, and Peter's response, he was grieved because he had asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter had seen the miracles, he had walked on water, he had seen Jesus transfigured, he had confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, even just stating his defiant will to go unto death for Jesus. And then there was the betrayal. Three times Peter had denied that he knew Jesus. And now Jesus returns the question around and asks Peter three times, do you love me? It was a piercing reminder of that denial just days before. So why does Jesus ask this question? Is he trying to rub it in his face? Peter, do you remember what you did? I don't think so. 
Was he doubting Peter's answer? His sincerity? I don't think so. No, he was cleansing an infected wound. Peter needed to face his failure in order to receive Jesus' forgiveness, his unconditional love, his call back to ministry. Peter was a fisherman, and then he was called to be a fisher of men. And now Jesus is inviting him to be tending his sheep. See, it's not about what he's doing, but why he's doing and who he's doing it for. It's about motivation. It's about attitude. More than just attitude. You know, it's, it's tempting for us, it's tempting for Peter to do the right things for the wrong reasons. In a moment... That thing that is done so nicely and well and serving to God becomes self-centered and self-seeking. In a moment, we deny Jesus. We tend a lot of sheep in our lives. We tend sheep at home. We tend different sheep at work and at school. We have our responsibilities, our performances, our schedule, our time, our activities, our interests, our neighbors, our friends, our community. And Jesus asks Peter to tend his sheep three times. So how do you do that? How do you tend God's sheep? And even what are his sheep? If you stop and think about that, everything is his. And so tending his sheep is watching over everything that we currently do for a different motivation. We're doing it for him instead of doing it for ourselves. There was uh, three men, they were building building. And uh, an observer was walking by, and he asked the first one, uh, what are you doing? He says, I'm laying bricks. What do you think? This is, it's in the sun. It's a hot day, and this is hard work. And he stops down to the next one. What are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to earn a living, trying to pl- supply for my family. He goes to the third one. What are you doing? I'm building a cathedral to our God. They're all doing the same thing, but their reason for doing it was different. What are the sheep that we tend? And then the next level of probe reveals where Peter is going. Beginning in verse 18... Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. 
He said this to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After that, he said, follow me. So these questions continue to probe deeper and deeper into Peter's life, not only his attitude, his motives, but his future, his direction. Because what we believe affects what we do. In fact, there's layers. We have our outward actions that are motivated or changed or directed by the things that we value. And the things we value come from what we believe, and the beliefs come from how we see the world, the worldview. So when Peter is asking this question, or when Jesus is asking this question, he's probing deeper and deeper into the heart and the soul of Peter. Because, Peter, if you love me, you're going to follow me. If you follow me, that changes everything about your life. We had a baptism a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chuck and Annie Scott. And when you see a a young little child, one of the questions that goes through our minds is, I wonder what he's going to be, I wonder what she is going to be when they grow up. Well, we can know, depending on who they follow. This question reveals some things about Peter, and as we know from history that Peter was crucified. He asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't find himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus was. He not only laid down his life for Christ, he also lived for Christ. He served the church for years without any of it really being written down. He was just tending Jesus' sheep. It's interesting also to notice this statement. To show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Have you ever thought that your death could be glorifying to God? Maybe not in ourselves, but in his means, his method, his kingdom, it's possible. Peter was asked that question three times, and it was revealing deeper and deeper parts about his life. It was revealing his surrender to Christ. So uh, some of you know that my son and daughter-in-law and their two girls are living in our house. They have been since COVID started back in wherever, whenever that long, long time ago it was. Uh, Two years ago, they were preparing for the mission field. And as a part of that preparation, the organization they work for, for uh, Lutheran Bible Translators, had them go to an extreme adventure uh, week. Actually, it was two weeks. Uh, and they put them through tests to try and break them. And so one of those tests was putting them on this outdoor adventure with their two kids. So a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and they're out in the wilderness, uh, along with there's 12 of them in the party, 
And they are no instructions, no, they've just got uh, no tents, just tarps. It's, it was roughing it. And their purpose was to try and break them. So they come to the last day, and everybody's exhausted. They've been carrying their uh, two-year-old and the, and, the, and the six-month. And they have supper, and it's been raining all afternoon, and they're exhausted. And they think, we're done. We made it. Nope. Pack it up. We're going hiking. So they left their canoes, and they started out into the wilderness, out into the bush, out into the, the forest. They can't see anything. It's all pitch black. It's still raining. And there's not a person that's not broken in the midst. And about midnight, they come to the top of the hill. And on the top of the hill, there was a cross. My son Andrew uh, said, that moment changed everything. Because I recognize that I'm just going through some test, some preparation. But Jesus, he went to the cross on my behalf, and so maybe a little rain, maybe a, a week of trial is manageable for his sake. You ever wondered what Jesus would say if you asked him, do you love me? You can know the answer. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place, then I will come again and I will take you to be with me. Every one of us has to answer that question. Do you love Jesus? And if you allow that question to pierce deep into your heart, it'll change every aspect of your life. But the reality is, he's not trying to crush you. He's trying to lift you up. He points out how desperately we need a Savior. And he points out how great that Savior's love is for you. His invitation, follow me. Amen.